here we are checking my own uh, YouTube to see what whether uh, whether our audience is split across two streams or we're still on the same stream or what yeah this is one of those everything that can go wrong will go wrong so I'm on my phone now because my laptop yeah I couldn't hear anything and it says we're live on YouTube but man I don't see it so like are we live let's make sure yes we are okay now let's check to see if the link is the same three elz is that the link i tweeted nope it's a new link so let's share the new link darn you youtube I'm sending out the new link, y'all, and then we're playing it from scratch. We should be up in 15 seconds. Don't mind the jackhammering sound. <laughs> Hilarious. All right, Simon Dixon. Richard Hart, we're back. We're back, and we're not dropping frames like crazy, so everything is beautiful. Simon here has been in uh, Bitcoin probably about as long as me. So I got in, like, March of 2011. You or might have been in earlier, even. Do you remember when you got in? Uh, so I was writing a book called Bank to the Future, Protect the Future Before Governments Go Bust in 2010. Nice. And then that's when that's when I I got in I got a I still got the Facebook message from a guy called uh, Johnny Bitcoin that told me he he moved out of his house um, and sold his house to move into a squat in London in Old Street um, with Amir Taki in order to work on Bitcoin um, and he told me about it so because I was writing the book I then started researching it and uh, went to the speak speak at the first Bitcoin conference to learn uh, from the Bitcoin community in November 2011, but then spoke there about the difference between Bitcoin and banking. Um, so yeah, that was my journey. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like so many people that used to be all up in Bitcoin kind of left. So like Amir Taki, he was one of the anti-corporate, you know, super, I won't say anarchist, but like as close to anarchist as you can get. And yeah, he just definitely. doesn't care anymore, right? Like, not doesn't care, you know. Same. I think same he's. Thing. Um, yeah, I think he got very disillusioned with when, because in in the Bitcoin conferences then it was really us versus the banks. That was very much the the mission. Um, yeah. And then, you know, at some point as it started to get more and more adoption, it became about making money and then amir is like the opposite of that you know he's he was around in bitcoin from the beginning um and you know probably gave away more bitcoin than he has now so in fact definitely did yeah if, if you live in a squat house for those guys that speak american english that means you're basically homeless and you're just like in a property that you're not allowed to be in but you snuck in and now it's your home you don't have utilities you know, like electricity and such, unless you're stealing it. 
So if you live in a squat house and you're a developer, you're an interesting breed. You know, yeah. it's not it's not that common. I think he even went to fight in Syria against ISIS as well. I mean, yeah, he he's got a really in, like he he's 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 out there. He's he's done some, and you know, in 2011 he was actually the face of Bitcoin, and you know, he made some really famous comments in those you know early TV shows when you know he was telling everyone how good money laundering is and all sorts of interesting comments uh, there's a funny yeah. story about this conference that uh roger ver had picked up some like uh some of those two-wheeled things that you can ride around on i can't remember what they're called you're know, like auto balanced on the two wheels the segway thing yeah and then uh, like amir had crashed his segway and then like fled the scene and ran away <laughs> yeah that, that that was with uh, charlie shrimp i believe uh it's like, uh, yeah, those, man. Those those were the days. I remember yeah. after after the conference, there was like, um, there was this uh, hackathon, and you had to go around Prague, and you ended up in this this street and building that could only be described as a crack den. And you had to you had to give you had to knock on and do a secret a secret <laughs> knock, um, and you had to find these clues around Prague in order to get to this building. And then when you get there there's this like qr code where you can buy a mars bar for uh, for one bitcoin um, and a bunch of a bunch of people with anonymous masks and hoodies all coding away um, and, and the thing that's so funny to me is like the number of people that actually care about anonymity is so few but that's what everyone like the people that got into bitcoin the earliest like that was part of what was so exciting is like personal sovereignty and like taking control and, and having your own power and not like being a bitch to everybody else. But like Monero is what people like, if you care about anonymity, you don't actually have many good options and Monero is one of them and Bitcoin's not. I mean, if you're okay with uh, giving someone else custody and taking a little risk, I think Wasabi wallet can work for you. I'm not even sure about the custody part. It might be non-custodial as well. Um, so if you're in Bitcoin and you want to do anonymous stuff, I think Wasabi Wallet is your best hope currently. Um, because it's pissing off law enforcement and they're complaining about it. So if they don't like it, it's probably good for your anonymity. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Like if you want anonymity in Bitcoin, your only hope is coin joining and mixing and mixing, you know, you're worried that your other anonymity set is nine. It's like, so let's say you have an anonymity set of 10. You're one of the members. Then the other nine ones are really just the same guy. And then he knows it's you because <laughs> it's like, there's no, there's no doubt in his mind who it is. Cause he knows he was nine of the 10 and then you're the remaining one. Um, and Ethereum, You've only got currently, I think, two ways to be anonymous. One is tornado.cash, and another is um, something called Aztec Protocol, but I've never used it, and, and I don't know if they have any anonymity set, but you know, maybe that works out at some point. All the ZK snarks and ZK rollup stuff should eventually lead to some anonymity, but currently it doesn't. Like all those ZK rollups and optimistic rollups and things, they don't. They don't provide any anonymity 
that I've seen thus far. Yeah, um, I think actually Amir, Amir was, um, I mean, we're still pretty close to where we were then. I think he, he was doing a project at the time, uh, a couple of years later, Dark Wallet. Um, do you remember they crowdfunded that one on Kickstarter, I think? It, um, I remember it, yeah. But I mean, it's pretty vague. It's years ago. This seems like 2013, 2014 to me. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so my, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know about it or not, but I found it a cryptocurrency. And in my brain, I think, what do you want to have the best cryptocurrency? I want price performance. I want throughput. If you get adoption, throughput's important. If you don't get adoption, throughput doesn't really matter. Um, I want anonymity. I want removal of counterparties, like get rid of exchanges, have it all peer-to-peer on-chain, counter, no counterparty risk, you know. Um, that's what I think would make the perfect cryptocurrency. And so I like when I hear that people have built stuff that solves those problems, so I don't have to look at them. So for instance, uh, there's a dev like going over the code right now. Somebody built a, uh, a thing called a Metatransact where you can just transact in Hex without using Ethereum. So that's nice. And then I know someone else has already forked the tornado.cash uh, contracts and has built a working front end for ZK Snarks anonymous hex transactions, but it's not public yet because there's still a little bit of dev they have to do. Like when you when you put your money into the the like storage thing, the ZK Stark storage thing, like tornado.cash, you have to leave it sit there and age for a while so that nobody knows like if you withdrew or if somebody else withdrew. And then the way Tornado does it is they know how much your uh, amount that you're owed because like when you put your deposit in, it gives you a note. And that's like your password to your money. And so in that note, they're including like the amount you put in. And so in the fork that these guys did, uh, they need to like add that amount part. But God damn the fees, like because Ethereum just got so expensive, it's like, you know, $5 to deposit, um, to anonymize. And then I think it's like $5 to withdraw. So it kind of sucks to have to pay 10 bucks to like get anonymous, but it's probably just because the fees are really expensive right now. I mean, hell, it's it's been the Bitcoin where it's never not even an option, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, well, I guess we we the the interesting thing is I think about where we are right now is there was a time and a place where like my full time job essentially is to be investing in companies, find companies to invest in the building this industry, um, and there was a time when. I could keep up with every single deal, everything, yeah. ev- everything you just said, I have no idea what it is. And that's how <laughs> our, our, our industry has reached that stage now where the innovation yeah. is moving faster than any yeah. one group of people could keep up with. Yeah. The, I'm uh, in the uh, same boat just on the thing I built. People keep building apps that only use it as their source currency. I can't keep track of what they're doing, even on people that are building on hacks. So God, God forbid I wanted to keep track of all the projects on all the coins. Can't do it. It's impossible. Um, so like, I, I think, I think for some reason people lose sight of what they should care about. Anonymity should be solved already. Seriously. 
it's so stupid and pitiful and tragic that like there's been nearly no progress truthfully like nearly no progress in six years it's retarded i mean what else what are you in cryptocurrency for you know if you're in for self-sovereignty and power do you want when you pay a bill for everyone to know how much money you have no that's just stupid And, and you know normal cash is better in that way if someone sends you a bank wire you don't know how much money they have if someone pays you out of their wallet, you don't know how much money they have. If someone pays you with a credit card, you don't know how much money they have. But if someone pays you with crypto, yeah, you know exactly how much money they got. That's unacceptable, you know? Um, it's so when, stupid. Yeah, when I, when I think about Bitcoin, um, I think about three main reasons why someone might want to be involved. Um, mm-hmm. And for me, for me, the third was the, was the one. Um, I think the first is money that you can own so bitcoin gives you the ability to own your own money if you own the private key mm-hmm. um and but the vast majority of people may not care about that they may even think that owning their own private key is too risky for them because holding it with someone else is a better option with their technical level of literacy so um some people care about that some people don't the the second is giving you the ability to spend that money censorship resistant. So when I, when I need to make a large transaction with my bank, I know that I need to give them the invoice. I need to tell them what I'm doing with it. I need to tell them who's receiving it. That's um, terrible. I, I, I purchased my house with Bitcoin, but the, the seller of the house wanted to receive fiat. So I had to do nine months of source of funds, source of wealth, tracking the Bitcoin all the way back to the actual Bitcoin that I was going to be converting and spending. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, that's the world that we live in today. So that that's a hundred percent unacceptable. Exactly. We, well, we, society has decided, you know, um, you know, you can, you can trace it back to the anti-money laundering movement. And then obviously that got accelerated with nine 11, but now we've reached a phase where the young generation of people, I think there's, there's two issues. So you've got, you've got people that are living month to month. They don't experience this pain, right? Because they're trying to pay off their debt. And unfortunately our system has driven that many people into that large amount of debt. Um, so they never reach the stage where if they're trying to send a larger amount of money, they realize that the money is no longer theirs. It's essentially any money that you deposit at a bank, is uh is somebody else's money that they might allow you to spend if you can give them the correct level of documentation um and proof and prove to them that they weren't the proceeds of crime and all sorts of stuff so the that's the second use case and this is where the privacy use case comes in which is people want their freedom back they want to be able to transact and rely upon the legal system not the financial system if they are doing things with those transactions that the legal system says you're not to, not meant to be doing, um, but this shit makes me grit my teeth. Like every time you tell me about what's going on, <laughs> innocent until proven guilty. The vast majority mm-hmm. of people participating in commerce are totally and completely honest. Pseudo law enforcement, meta law enforcement, law enforcement theater, where you encumber and torture the majority of the participants in the economy with extra paperwork that you never even look at anyway 
every time someone fucks up and goes to jail, they're never getting caught from all this bullshit paperwork that everyone's filling out. They're always getting caught from something else. This paperwork is security theater, just like the TSA. The TSA is security theater. Every single time they ever test it and try and get contraband onto the planes, it all gets through. None of it gets caught. Okay, so then what the fuck are you really doing? You're doing theater. Okay, well, theater is very expensive. You're feeling up 10-year-old kids and throwing everyone's water in the garbage. For why exactly? And now they don't even understand why that law got invented. So they don't even understand that it's the liquid that they were trying to stop from two-part explosives. Now they just don't like the bottles. They think the bottles are the threat. Like they don't even understand. Like it's become so indoctrinated and, and bureaucratic that they don't remember even what it is that they were looking for originally. It's like cargo cult, basically. A cargo cult's back in the, you know the early 1900s, maybe mid 1900s, where uh, African uh, I, well islanders, not Africans, but islanders would see that airplanes would land and bring all this stuff and they liked that. So then they would build fake airplanes out of like huts, like, you know, shrubs and trees and bushes, hoping that stuff would appear. And you're like, well, they, they mixed the causality up there. <laughs> it wasn't like the presence of something that looked like an airplane wasn't what brought the stuff. Right. And, and throwing out bottles isn't going to prevent uh, terrorism at airports. It's just fucking maddens me. So, if they spent less money on security theater, you could have real security. If you spent less money on law enforcement theater, you could have real investigators and real judgments and real, you know, all the stuff that gets bad people put in jail. You could have more of that and less of this fake shit. And it's to the point where it's unbearable. I mean, you've never had less choices where to go to spend, to go to bank. You've never had shittier hours. You've never had less ATMs. It's garbage. It's all horrible. <clears throat> yeah. And the only so I've always I've always found myself jumping from jurisdictions that have higher levels of, you know, financial freedom. So I moved from the UK to Hong Kong, and now I live in uh, in an island in Isle of Man. Um, but uh, you know, these this this the fact that at, at some point we need to do a cost benefit analysis when people are firing millions and millions of suspicious activity reports to regulators um, risking everyone's data and then the level of those those reports that actually lead to um, any kind of enforcement or uh, preventing you know money laundering um, th this 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 trend isn't about to be reversed so that's why I think the you know that's another reason and that's why the, the privacy side but I don't think that that's a big problem for so many people because our debt-based monetary system, just due to the incentive mechanism of, in, of the right way to act in a system where money is being diluted and money is based upon debt, is driving everyone into debt. And because of that, just the vast majority of the world are living month to month. Um, and so, you know, they don't they don't experience these these transactions and the fact that the money at the bank is just not yours. Um, so I talked about to, to close the loop, those three things. So one reason to get into Bitcoin is to own your money. That becomes important when you see things like, you know, this health crisis leading to a financial crisis. Um, what financial crisis, bro? New all-time highs, what? 
Well, they, okay. Well, the government, <laughs> the, the, hey, look, everyone's out of work, but I mean, new all-time highs. The capital uh, class uh, is doing great. Yeah, unemployment, but the the central bank is buying every stock, and um, the, the the companies that uh, the government essentially these bonds have been bought to buy back stocks. It's it's actually insane um, that the stock market could be at all-time highs, um, and I wouldn't even Nasdaq call it a is. market. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a market right now. This is this is you know stocks being propped up by government intervention and newly created money through the bond markets. Um, and the funny thing is, is that you know you can get wrecked doing the right thing in the current market. So in two thousand and eight, you would have been forgiven for thinking that uh, you know solving the problem of a financial crisis with more debt would lead to um, real big problems in the financial markets. But if you exited the financial markets um, in you know to, after the financial crisis, we had a 12-year bull market on QE, um, and the you know the, there is no analysis that can help you understand how to navigate markets because we've got this such distortion well you just there there is i mean i tweet this video all the time that came out over 10 years ago called buy the fucking dip you idiot and it's like it's a cursing laden thing that's just like yes the fed literally said that they'll buy everything forever and they'll print money forever so get a loan and buy the dip and tell your friends and it was right and the video that was funny it's you know just do a search for buy the fucking dip on youtube you'll find the video uh yeah it was accurate the the number go up because they're just going to keep printing and it's like i mean hertz that just went bankrupt their stock's up 100 Mm percent there's some company called uh what's tesla nikola this company called nikola zero dollars of income it's worth more than ford right now mm. okay so we're just in fucking la la land like okay and nobody learned what? from we work like we work went from a billion to nothing no one fucking people are just okay with this fantasy shit now all right and the, the funny <laughs> thing is I, I i i don't even think there are words for this type of way of organizing an economy like you know you have capitalism you have communism, you have a bunch of stuff in between. You have, you know, but what do you call where you have the ownership of private stocks and markets, but, you know, the central bank is buying them all um, with money that the government is borrowing from the central bank. You know, what what, what do you call that? that? I don't even know. Clusterfuck. That, that is a word for Is that word taken? <laughs> it, Exactly. There is no words for the market that we're in. So, you know, how how somebody meant to efficiently, you know, uh, try and beat inflation. Buy all the dips. I mean, yeah, well, like if, if this is the game now, so it used to be that stock prices were tied to earnings. But if the game is that earnings don't matter anymore, it's upside down land. Like, okay, so everyone's out of work. Companies don't have income shitloads of uh, people exiting on their leases, tons of empty property. Okay. But the numbers all go up anyway. Hmm. Well, oh, and there's a pandemic. 
but like no one cares that here, yeah. here bro i'll go on twitter and i just see tons of people yelling into each other's mouths during a pandemic and i'm just like this i don't is think that's healthy the, normally i don't this want is your... a com- the confusing yeah this is the confusing thing right so um, the emotions that everyone's gone through, I mean, I'm sure everyone else, I, I'm, I don't think I'm unique in terms of the vast array of emotions that I've been through over the last months in terms of, you know, at one moment, every business is shut down. We're having this crazy experiment that we've never seen before of everyone being locked up in their house. And then suddenly this leads to some social unrest and all the all the people that were really concerned suddenly they're not concerned they're out and social distancing and all these things don't matter but then we find ourselves in a scenario where um businesses are not open people are breaking into the shop fronts they're not allowed to go to business they're not allowed to visit their family when people are dying you know, we've we've had the death in our family a little bit more distant and no one can go there. Um, and yet the very next week, everyone's everyone's on the streets um, and it's OK. Uh, it's it's really the, confusing. The, I, these, I'm not sure what the people issuing advice medically are goddamn idiots. So if you think masks don't work, but the doctors really need them. You're an asshole. They obviously work, which is why the doctors need them. So instead of saying shit like masks don't work, tell people not to touch the front of the mask when they're putting it on or adjusting it and to treat it like it's radioactive when they throw it out. That's all you got to do. And then the masks work just fucking fine. But they're too stupid to give that advice. Uh, You know, there's these, there's these things. Oh, so let's talk about paradoxes. All right. So paradox one, masks don't work. That's why the doctors desperately need them. Okay. There's paradox one, uh, paradox two, you, if you're not infectious, you can't spread the disease, but everyone already has antibodies somehow. What? That's not possible if everyone already had antibodies and they were only around people that weren't sneezing and coughing and shit. Well, then I guess it can pass without the symptoms showing. So there's these things that are just obvious common sense that the medical advisors can't seem to translate into language. They, they, they say the wrong shit. They lie, right? I, I firmly believe that this can transmit, as I have read from many sources, uh, before you see symptoms. And I think that perhaps some people that don't show symptoms can transmit it, right? And like, okay, how about the silences consent? Rapists have to love that one, right? So now silences consent. What the fuck is wrong with all you people? Like you're saying shit that don't make any sense. Silence is not consent. That's why you have to get verbal consent or it's considered rape, right? I mean, (laughs) it's fucking backwards land, man. It's all paradoxes. Oh yeah, everyone's out of work. Pandemic's killing people left and right. NASDAQ, all time highs. Okay.
yeah. whatever. All right. Or, I mean, I'm going to, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this one, but Hey, you know what? I'm going to spread the, the truth. And if people don't like the truth, they don't have to watch. I think it's racist as fuck. I saw the founder, the co-founder of Reddit, uh, resign his board post and request that it be assigned to a black person. That is racist as fuck. You can't assign jobs based on color. You can't. It's racist. If you want to pretend that you're really trying to make a difference in the world and really trying to make things better, you know who doesn't have it that bad? Anyone that lives in America. Anyone that lives in America doesn't have it that bad. And if you want to see what bad looks like, go to liveleak.com and go look where it's actually fucked up in the world. Oh boy, there's a lot of fucked up places. So you go to Wikipedia and you can sort by the Human Development Index and you can see that, boy, two-thirds of Africa is just fucking annihilated. Totally annihilated. Like, no hope. No hope at all. Learn to read? Nah. Water? Nah. Food? Mm-mm. Right? So what are we doing for those people? Okay, well, what about the people that live in North Korea? Uh, what about the people that live in all these places that have it far, far fucking worse? Why don't we give the board member seat of Reddit that Alexis Ohanian gave up why don't we give his seat to one of those fucking guys? We can afford the plane ticket, can't we? Oh, because we systematically as a nation have immigration law, which states very, very firmly that you have to fuck yourself and never step foot in America unless you're marrying someone from America. And by marrying, I mean like have already married. You're working in America and have been approved to do so. You're on vacation in America and spending money and are definitely leaving soon. Or you're going to school in America. Those are the only four ways that you can stay in the United States or any other country. So this fantasy that we really want to help the people in need. But we only let you be in here if these four reasons are met. It don't make no goddamn sense. It doesn't make any sense. And then if you're going to enter the oppression Olympics, it's like, okay. So now you, you took a guy that was qualified and you replaced him with a black guy. Are there enough black guys to do all the jobs? No, because they're a minority of the population. So what happens when you run out? Now, if you did run out, so let's say you switched everybody out, put black guys in all the high position jobs. Now they would be the, the Uber class, right? And you'd need to hand the American Indians the jobs because then they would be the underclass, right? And then when you enter the oppression Olympics, you're like, basically the head of state would have to be a transsexual, albino, midget, currently African-American because it's trending. But at some other point, some other race could be trending, right? Like it could be in World War II when the Chinese were, or when the Japanese were put in internment camps uh, in California. That seems pretty fucked up. How about some reparations? How about some political appointing? This concept that meritocracy now has to step aside for people that have had an unfair shake leads to a world where the not best for the job does the job and then everything gets worse. That shit disgusts me. And by the way, is it, is it that a person is black that makes it hard? No, it's, it's, it's the things that go with that. 
right? So what goes with that? Well, usually you're in a shittier neighborhood. Okay, and what happens in shittier neighborhoods? Well, usually you're around more crime, and so you only see you know, paths that are shittier around you, and you're like, well, I could do the shitty path or that shitty path. Now, who else has that problem? White people that live in that neighborhood. Chinese people that live in that neighborhood. Everybody that lives in that neighborhood has a bad fucking time. It doesn't matter what color they are. So if you want to help people that have had a bad time, I suggest you look outside the United States because that's where the vast, vast majority of people having it rough are. And if you want to help people inside the United States, I suggest you do it by social class and not fucking race. That is goddamn disgusting. To a Chinese guy, a white guy, uh, and a, you know, a black guy all grew up in the same bad neighborhood. And now just the black guy gets the hookup. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it's racist as shit. This is so fucking racist. Like, I just, I don't understand what's going on. And then, so I, I tweet shit. I'm like, yo, okay, so now, so Alexis Ohanian wants to give his job to just a black person. Fuck the American Indians, I guess. And uh, so what? Now, if you're like half black, you only get like half a job? Or if you're like darker skin black from like a, a, a more lit up part of Africa, like I think Congo is pretty dark skinned, right? Like, do you get an even higher pay? Are people going to start investing in like tanning cream and shit? Are we going to have to like rub them as they, you know, get their job application? This shit all disgusts me. It all fucking disgusts me. <clears throat> So there's that. You guys can hate me at uh, Richard Hartwin on Twitter. Hate away. So I feel a bit out of my depth discussing these. But when, when, when I try and so as a finance guy and thinking about investing, um, I try and come up with models of the world, I guess. And sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. For my seeing, I was trained as an economist and they try and model everything and tend to get it wrong. But I, I see the, you know, I see these as a bunch of symptoms and in terms of causality, I see a, a debt-based monetary system that prior to this event, prior to this, you know, um, crippling event, there's record level of indebtedness all around. Um, so when you're asked to lock down, when unemployment happens, when business bankruptcies are happening as a result of this, you know that that's gonna that's gonna cause real problematic um, debt, which I think eventually makes its way to the obviously the bank which originated those loans, but most of those loans were sold to your pension. So um, you know those those make their way through, or eventually it, it 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 hits the bank's balance sheet when people essentially the governments are paying everybody's mortgages right now. They're you know, the, these schemes are keeping, uh, are allowing people to pay their debt. A percentage of them are just saying, screw the debt, I need to feed my family. Um, and so eventually that hits the bank's balance sheet or the pension side, because most of that debt was sold off to your pension if it was triple B or above through investment banks products. So you, you, you end up with record levels of debt. So that's the first thing I see in the world. The second thing I see in the world is this system has driven record levels of um, inequality, wealth inequality. So, can, can I tell you why that happens? Go for it. If you, if you take a system 
that pays you interest or pays you yield on your investments. The, ca the working class has no savings and therefore has no income from savings and therefore has no compounding. And so when house prices go up, the people that pay rent, they don't get any benefit from it because they have no equity in homes. But the capital class that has savings and owns houses and owns stocks, as the money keeps getting printed, it all goes to the rich fucks and the rich fucks already own everything. And so they benefit from all the money printing. The poor fucks that have no savings and no equity in anything, they don't benefit at all. As a matter of fact, they get robbed because the dollars, the few dollars they were able to put together and put in their bank account now have to be gathered in greater quantity to buy things that are priced higher now. So cheeseburgers keep getting more expensive. Houses keep getting more expensive. Cars keep getting more expensive. Computers today about the same price, but they don't really get cheaper. So yeah. And then couples it's, it's so this, yeah, this wealth inequality from these trends and then couple that with the fact that you've got central banks driving a policy of low interest rates, which is moving fuel, fuel for the fire. Well, exactly. I'm moving people into higher levels of speculation because you can't get yield on bonds or traditional lending products anymore. It causes um, misinvestment. Artificially low interest rates cause misinvestment and mall investment, which causes a boom and bust cycle. But now they've decided they don't even want the fucking bust anymore. So we're just gonna we're just gonna you know toy with hyperinflation. Yeah. So then you've got so you've got this debtedness this indebtedness that's leading to because of this lockdown situation driving people into a poverty situation they were living month to month and now they're in poverty you then have this second force of this wealth inequality that is um leading to civil unrest um this belief that the the rich are shafting the poor they are um constantly they 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 certainly are and the system is a systemic thing as well um leading to the accumulation of assets which is constantly perpetuating these trends then if you take something like a third a third trend which is a a a, a change a potential a potential change or a threat or a competition to the world superpower so if these trends are saying, you know, there's a potential for China to become a next superpower, and then you couple, you you add to that, you know, the the constant pressure of the media saying this thing came from China. Um, it did. It fucking did. It, Most it, of it that shit from comes China. from China historically. China breeds these fucking viruses like a job. But Most then, pandemic viruses you, come from China for hundreds of years. But when you have competition to a superpower economy, I think that the end result of that in this competitive in this competitive style of market is you end up with racial tensions, um, people seeing us versus them. We've seen so that if you combine always. all these pandemic or not, things, that's always been there. Yeah. So if you combine these these three big problems, you've got you know, poverty, record levels of indebtedness, you've got wealth inequality, and you've got a potential change or competition to superpower. Um, 
I think you get what we have today. And all you need is a black swan event, a catalyst event that exposes the weakness of all these Ponzi schemes that we have in fiat money, whether that be pension schemes, whether that be currencies. Um, all you need is, is, is an exposure to that. And we enter the Great Depression in 2020. And that's what I think we're seeing right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think they could print for a good while. I think they could buy a decade or two with inflation if they wanted to. So I this, think this only, bill doesn't need paid thing, right away. Yeah. Um, they can fuck around so for a while, I bet. Recently, I don't know if you've ever done this. So uh, I, I started, I've never been a, a YouTuber, but I, I've published periodically. Like I put the first Bitcoin conference I spoke on, on my YouTube channel. Um, and in, I don't know if you've ever had this when a video that you just uploaded years ago. So I uploaded a video in 2010 called the great depression of 2020. Um, and it was, it, it suddenly gets this, this, this new life and these new comments on something that, that you thought had disappeared into the YouTube sphere, uh, forever. It happens rarely. Um, it's yeah. whether the bot smiles upon you or not, you know? <laughs> um, so suddenly this, 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 this video comes along and it was just talking about Keynesian, um, and monetarism and, and stuff like that. When I was right in the beginning, this is pre Bitcoin. I think when the presentation was given, um, how did you feel about Bitcoin? 65% drop in two weeks. Um, so to me, there's, so there's different things here. So the, the way that I look at my world, my world is I see money that I need to have more security in my life. And that is my how much how much money do i have um where i need to cover my expenses um and my 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 job is when i look at my financial affairs is building as much security with that so i buy a house outright because i don't want to pay a mortgage i don't want to pay rent and if i can get myself in a position then that reduces fiat money that i need at a bank because it's impossible for you to manage your financial affairs when your Bitcoin could crash that much in a day, you know, that could be crippling for someone living month to month. Um, so, but then I've got this is a long money. ass answer to say, I didn't like it. <laughs> it's well, a long fucking answer. Well, if no, cause if I, if I was using, <laughs> if, if, if I was using Bitcoin as cash, um, then that would be a real problematic situation. But for my Bitcoin as what I see is the, the, you know, my supplementing my retirement or long-term holdings, then to me, I dollar cost average in. So a crash of 65% gives me an opportunity to uh, dollar cost average in better in what I believe is the hardest form of money. Um, and the rarest I, I liked it when it was advertised as a decorrelated asset. I liked that narrative, but that narrative got fucked. So now yeah, we don't but, have it uh, anymore. Well, so again, this is so let's loop back to the three things I said that I think Bitcoin's for. It's uh, money you can own, money that you can spend. Um, and then you've got the third, which is a fixed, a fixed supply. You know, the let's call it the counter of quantitative easing. As more people lose them, you get quantitative tightening as more people can't access their keys. Um, so you've got 
18 and a half million of them have already been created. There's only a couple million uh, to be created. Um, so looping back to those those three things, uh, what was it? What were we discussing again? I so like originally we were talking about anonymity and then we got into mm -hmm. some social justice and then uh, we got into the pandemic. We got into the inflation stuff. And then I said, uh, hey, Bitcoin dropped 65% in two weeks. That sucked, right? And then you're like, yeah, it didn't suck for me because I could buy the dip. I think that's where we left up. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so th this is about separate. And this is, you know, what is the constant? So we, we originally had in our community Bitcoin versus the banks. That was my favorite time. That was we, the time We're, we're the opposite on that now, you know. Yeah, we, we, we had that common aligned vision. Now it's like, please buy our bags, banks. We need on CME. We need on CBOE. Oh, they canceled it, but it used to be there. We need uh, we need the ETF. Please, banks, buy, buy. We need you to buy our bags. And then what people don't realize is they already bought your bags. The bankers already own more Bitcoin than you, for real. 42% of Bitcoin is in 2,000 addresses. That's after 10 years of decentralization. Winklevoss own a percent. Satoshi owns a percent. Uh, Mount Gox owns almost a percent. Plus Token Ponzi owned a percent. M not sure how much they divested. We could go on down the list. Like, uh, those, I Draper been, might own they, a percent. Have they still got access to those coins? Are they being sold? The Plus, Plus token? token? Yeah, man. Yeah. They, they dumped like a lot. They dumped a lot. So they drove the price up from 3K to 14K. And then the day of the 14K top was the day the plus token founders got arrested. Mm. And then we went down to 3,800. So it's like, uh, not that great. <laughs> not that great. So I, yeah, after, after, Bit, after Bitcoin versus the banks, we moved to infighting and cash versus gold. Um, so then all of a sudden, all of the focus within the community moved to, is this cash or is this gold? I know it ain't cash. Um, I, I think it's more like gold because you can't do it, like, you, you, if you want, if you want well, to so, use so Bitcoin. To me it's, it's, it, it's cash for those people that are in a situation where they need to own their own money um, and they need to spend their own money. Yeah, but sure, um, but you could say tethers that too with tail risk that it goes to zero at some point like yeah but well tether you know as a i'm i'm a sh i'm a shareholder in bitfinex so i just need to disclose that before talking about tether yeah. um but uh you know tether tether didn't drop 65 percent in two weeks well yeah tether so so when when i when i go to before this uh, lockdown when i went to china um people were asking for tether over bitcoin people wanted but now the the reversal is you know now people feel that we're in a bull market people are asking for bitcoin over tether uh, when you're paying your bills if you're in the crypto space um right. so tether has got you know well in our niche community you, you can't uh, adoption is there's adoption within our community and there's adoption in the real world in in the real world there's nothing but within our community tether's got a lot of adoption in china it's the highest um, traded cryptocurrency in the world by volume and, for a long and, time. And that's because short-term money, 
people want dollar exposure. You know, the majority of people's. So if you look at the politics between China and America, um, China, an exporting country, you know, they're in a trade war with the United States. The trade war means that America wants to export more, and um, but China's doing all the exports. And so therefore you're incentivized to always devalue your currency. Um, you know, America is also exporting inflation to China because every time they, you know, people are paying in dollars yeah. and then within China, they have to go to the People's Bank of China and then China has to print more um, renminbi or Chinese yuan um, in order to, because of their regime. Um, and so they're exporting that inflation. So as quantitative easing, essentially is exporting inflation to china as well um and you 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 end up in a scenario where obviously um china wants to devalue their currencies because that's currency wars how they can make uh, exports uh, more goods it, de- it depends on whether you, it's like it's a two-sided coin if you devalue your currency then you can have more exports because your exports are cheaper to the rest of the world however you get penalized on imports because now the imports are more expensive. So there's no free ride. It's like, yeah, it's long term versus short term, short, short term hit, long term problem. Well, I mean, even this is one, this is like the climate it's complex, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a reflexive system. So the pandemic has driven, a reminder into America that you need locally produced stuff for when the supply chains break down. So you need masks. Well, they're only making them in China. So you better hope China's nice enough to send some, you need some of these pills. Uh, they're only making them in India. So you better be sure or hope that India has already filled up their stockpiles because otherwise they're not shipping to you. And so it reminded people that you need robustness and redundancy and it can't all be just in time inventory. Um, so that should return some manufacturing to America. And there's some people like Elon Musk that have just driven it on their own back to drive some manufacturing back in the United States with Tesla and SpaceX. There's not many, I mean, there still ain't that many jobs coming back. Um, manufacturing in the United States is still pretty, pretty dead you know, compared to globally. If you look around your house and you look, all right, what here was actually made in America? Ain't much, ain't much. Yeah. So what what do you think uh what do you think price performance for Bitcoin this year? Or in any time frame you're comfortable? Yeah, I've I've do you know what, Richard, I've I don't think I've uh looked back at all my videos, I don't think I've ever given a given a price forecast. Don't. Um you don't have to. Yeah. And I don't give a price forecast because my my particular philosophy and so th- this I think can drive a pretty interesting conversation. Um, having been around the industry from when it was just Bitcoin versus the banks through to everything that's happened since with altcoins, Ethereum, ICOs, everything that's everything that's happened since. Mm-hmm. Um, the one the one constant that I think has served me is that every time I think I know something, something really fucking weird happens to prove <laughs> that logic just does not apply. <laughs> and so nice. the, the only the only thing I can do is, um, you know, and, and that's why I don't think so. When I look at um, what you could probably call me, people would 
I think if you look back at my my, my thoughts and, and publications over the year, people could call me a Bitcoin maximalist. Um, but I didn't miss the Ethereum ICO. The reason the reason for that is because I've always tried to com compartmentalize different use cases, different things, and not get too addicted to my ideology. Um, I believe that Bitcoin is the world's best shot we will ever see at achieving hard money. Um, so I still subscribe to that uh, Bitcoin maximalist thought. But at the same time, when I see, um, you know, something like uh, the whole world was talking about colored, you know, well, sorry, not the whole world, the, the whole community, um, the whole community, the Bitcoin community is talking about how all these assets can exist on Bitcoin and we have discussions around colored coins and then we have this omni protocol master coin or whatever it was at the time. Um, now, when you get something like Ethereum funded by the Bitcoin community, I, I try to remind people, you know, that Ethereum was funded by Bitcoiners because the ICO only accepted Bitcoin. Um, and then, and then, you know, the, the, this different use case comes along. I don't suddenly think to myself, oh shit, I got to put all of my Bitcoin into the Ethereum ICO. Um, I think about, I still, you know, that there is a percentage of my Bitcoin that I'm willing to speculate to try and earn more Bitcoin with. And while I may not subscribe, so what, what is Ethereum now? To me, when I look at Ethereum, I see a really buoyant developer community like I've, like I've not seen in any other, in, in anything else, really, you know, rapidly developing um, decentralized finance solutions which I think, um, you know, some of the, uh, the vast majority of those are probably going to get hacked and fail and all sorts of stuff because it's a, it's, a, it's a very experimental base. Um, but if every single financial product in the future is going to have a decentralized version, then Ethereum has that space right now. And so I'm not trying to say Ethereum is competing with Bitcoin to be sound money because um, I don't think it is. I think it's, it's a play in investing in is this going to be the protocol that all the developers are going to build their decentralized finance on and is DeFi going to be something in the future i say yes yes um and therefore i can have a a, a, spe a, a speculative percentage of my bitcoin invested across that because the bitcoin maximalists missed all of that because they they were stuck on their their one single ideology that I can only own Bitcoin, um, and I think that's cost a lot of you know. And then you 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 multiply that across things like the hard fork maximalist. So someone comes along and says, right, Bitcoin should be cash. There's Roger Ver. Bitcoin should be cash. Uh, therefore, I'm going to chuck all of my Bitcoin into Bitcoin Cash and tell the whole world that this is the competition to Bitcoin, um, and anyone that owns Bitcoin should be owning Bitcoin Cash uh, for all these reasons. Um, now, I, I think these these subscriptions to ideologies and extreme put all my money behind my ideology. I think it costs a lot of people a lot of money. And that's the thing that I've learned over the last decade, that you, you have to have a principle of my, my, my investment principle was, I believe that the future of finance is going to look different from the past. So I started investing in equities and all the crypto companies, whether that be, you know, a Kraken, a Bitfinex, a Coinbase, a blockchain.com, bought as much equity as I could kept my Bitcoin position, make sure that I don't end up losing my Bitcoin position and then allocate a percentage of that towards what, what other interesting things are going to happen here. 
um, and I can I can spice this conversation up a bit. <clears throat> okay, for it. So, I I created a cryptocurrency that I believe is better than Bitcoin, and I was one of the leading Bitcoin maximalists for a long time. And so to say that is like pretty ballsy, I think. So for me, technology is technology. So if you have a stake, are you like uh, an oven maximalist? You're like, no, I just need it to be hot. If it's hot, the stake don't care how it got hot. I don't care how it got hot. I just need the stake to hit this temperature for this amount of time. So if I'm typing on a keyboard, I got hundred keyboards. I got one that I like the best. It sounds the best. It feels the best. It's just, it's better in all the ways that I care about. And then for me, the other ones are just all worse, right? So I'm like, I didn't, I got in on MX Cherry Browns and now I'm not a Ch MX Cherry Brown Maximalist. Now I'm a Topri Maximalist because I like them better. Um, so I care about throughput, affordability, price performance, security, censorship resistance, uh, and the ability to transact without counterparty risk because exchanges are middlemen and cryptocurrency was designed to get rid of middlemen. So in Bitcoin, if you want to go to a stable coin, fuck yourself. You're going to have to go to a centralized counterparty and you're going to have to give them your precious Bitcoin and you're going to have to hope and pray and beg that just like the bank, you give them enough selfies and you give them enough hand jobs so that they'll actually send your money back to you. And then if you send it the wrong place, they close your account because they track what you do with your money after you get it. At least Coinbase does. Fuck all that. That is horrible. That's garbage. And Bitcoin will always have that problem because it's a retarded network. The network literally only has the ability to take a number that was in your account and reduce it and increase some other guy's number. It's called a send. So my number goes down, his number goes up. So programmable money, what can you program with Bitcoin? Nothing. You can't have it wake you up in the morning. You can't tell it to send someplace at a certain time. You can't even do a batch send without breaking your balls and hiring your own development team. So God forbid you actually want to pay bills, fuck yourself. You want to, you want to pay a hundred devs, fuck yourself, hire a developer. Garbage, hundred percent garbage. Oh, and you're going to have to wait a while. You're going to have to wait a good long fucking while for your transaction to go through. And guess who you're paying? The people you're paying to do your transaction processing, they're 65% in China and have a history of forking the network and trying to make a fake Bitcoin to kill the real Bitcoin. That's what they did with your money. What? That's all terrible. That's not censorship resistant. That's very risky to have all your mining in China. And the fact that they used that money to attack you before sucks. And the fact that it's a protection racket. In the old days, we paid miners so that botnets didn't attack the network. And then on GPUs, we paid miners so that gamers didn't attack the network. But now the people you're paying are the same people that are the only people in the world that can attack the network with hash rate. Those SHA-256 miners, you're paying them not to attack you themselves. That's a protection racket. Garbage, total garbage. Then we have other ecosystems that have tried to solve a lot of these problems and have solved them. If you want to mine Ethereum, you can mine it on a GPU. And they've got the code ready and willing that if the ecosystem starts to look too bad or the ASICs get too much power, they'll do prog POW proof of work change and kill off the ASICs. Bitcoin doesn't have the balls to kill off the ASICs. Ethereum does. 
in Ethereum, you can, you know, mine the network on your GPU. I've got a shitload of GPUs. Every, anybody that, you know, has a computer and has ever played a game recently, they got a GPU that can mine Ethereum. So you've got a more robust ecosystem that's never had inflation bugs. Bitcoin's had two inflation bugs where you could mint as many free Bitcoin as you wanted. And it happened in 2010. And they had to roll the chain back because someone minted a billion extra Bitcoins. And then a Bitcoin cash developer found another inflation bug where anyone could have minted as many free Bitcoin as they wanted about a year and a half ago. Because Bitcoin has no bug bounty program, has no audits, and then is spaghetti code that has no modularity. So every time they improve the network to try and make it better, it accidentally affects the consensus and breaks everything. So I developed something that solves so many of these problems. We have the consensus code isolated in its own smart contract. It can't be edited. So you can't accidentally fuck it up when you improve the networking code. So Ethereum can improve all at once and it can't affect the consensus layer because it's isolated and locked. That's superior. You know, in Bitcoin, if the miners don't want a halvening, they don't have to have a halvening. They can just edit the code. They could edit one little line and be like, yeah, we're not having the halvening. What are you going to do about it? And what would your options be? Your option would be to go and try and make your own new network that they could 51% attack at will because they have all the SHA-256. So this concept that there will only be 21 million coins is actually up to the miners. And the concept that there's a halvening is actually also up to the miners. And it is the same miners, by the way, that barely, barely gave you SegWit, which was just a transaction uh, throughput increase, an efficiency increase. That's all it was. They barely gave you that. So do you think they're going to give you anonymity? Do you think they're going to give you a better, more controversial fork? I don't know why they would if they made the first thing so hard. So Ethereum, higher throughput, cheaper transactions, anonymity on chain with ZK Snarks using Tornado.cash, access to all the stable coins, which are the majority, two thirds of Ethereum transactions are Tether transactions. Five out of the top 16 cryptocurrencies launched on or primarily use Ethereum. That's BNB, EOS, USDT, ETH themselves, and TRX. And it would be five of like the top, it would be like four of the top 10 or something like that. Uh, so never had inflation bugs, has a bug bounty program, has a better auditing ecosystem, has, supports a larger percentage of tokens that exist in the world. I used to be able to mine Bitcoin for free. Can't do it now. Used to be able to freemium onboard hobbyists through their GPU mining. Can't do it now with Bitcoin, but other coins can. So like the coin I invented, I give for free to Bitcoin holders and only for free to Bitcoin holders. But somehow magically, the, Bit, you know, the Bitcoin guys, the loud, toxic ones, they still find a way to complain about the free money that they're given, which I think is hilarious because $3 billion of Bitcoin holders have claimed their free hacks. That's a lot of money. $3 billion is a lot of money. So it's like I built something that's increased in value versus Bitcoin 92x in 129 days is free for Bitcoin holders to claim. $3 billion of them have claimed it. Is higher throughput. Well, I mean, in theory, we have to share the Ethereum network with other ERC-20s, so I'm not sure it's higher throughput. It is with ZK rollups, which, like for instance, right now, loopring.io is an exchange that has, you know, a thousand transactions per second with on-chain security. 
because ZK rollup technology exists in Ethereum and it doesn't exist in Bitcoin. So you've got 3.4 TPS in Bitcoin and you've got thousands of TPS on Ethereum if you use a project that uses ZK rollups. So it's faster and more secure, cheaper, has all the developers. It's like, I don't know, dude, I think, I think Bitcoin's getting stomped. Like it's got, it's got ATMs and it's got more retailer acceptance and it's got more liquidity and that's it. <clears throat> well, so, okay. When, when, when I see Bitcoin, um, I don't see a feature set that makes it superior technology. Just like I'm sure there's a feature set that makes an alternative to the internet much better than what we built on already. And again, I'm, I'm getting out of my depth when we come to the technical side. I was a, a finance guy that found technology um, and I've done a lot to, to find tech, you know, to, to un increase my understanding of tech, but definitely not going to win a technical debate more of a finance debate. Um, but to, to me, when we when when I think of Bitcoin, I think of what out of all of this has the most commodity like features in terms of gold is gold. Um, Bitcoin is Bitcoin. And so if we're asking this digital commodity that you can spend and own, I don't see anything else that has more of those properties to be able to fulfill that in terms of reliability. Like, you know, you've got an amazing developer community in Ethereum and they're building um, some really interesting financial products on top of it. But I don't really know what happens when it moves over to Ethereum 2.0. Um, I don't really, I, I don't see the reliability. Um, and so all of the, the things that people are requesting to have to Bitcoin, they're, they're awesome things that would be amazing if we could have had those from the beginning. But, but, but we now, had Bitcoin those and they failed. So Tether is a massive success. It launched on the Omni protocol. It used to only do its transactions on Bitcoin. But Bitcoin was so slow and so shitty and so expensive that they fucking gave up on it and used Ethereum instead. They moved the majority of their coins from the Omni protocol on Bitcoin over to the Ethereum yeah, protocol so, I mean, because it works Omni better. Was, you know, Omni was a, a failed project that Not, didn't really have any No, it wasn't. That... It was a successful project. It just didn't make any money. See, this is, this is what people, this is the magic. Tether, multi-billion dollar project, did all its transactions on Omni, yet Omni had no value. And Omni was only doing $300 and today only does $150 to $300 of volume a day. Because yeah, when, whenever, whenever I send Tether, I'll send it on Ethereum. I was really grateful to not have to maintain a Omni wallet because it's, yeah, you know, it, it works better on Ethereum. There's no doubt about that. Yep. So my, my point is that Omni was successful, but people, bit, bit, Bitcoiners don't actually want you building on it. They really don't. That's why they killed off Counterparty by changing the amount of data you could write in the opcode space to 30 bytes. They, they do not, they're not friendly. They don't want to work with other stuff. They want just what they have. They don't want block size increases, even though like, let's be serious. It was on the roadmap. A block size increase was on the Blockstream roadmap and we just never got it but all the blockstream developers are working on their side projects that compete with Bitcoin, like Liquid, 
and uh, whatever, I can't even remember, they're cloud mining. That sounds decentralized to me. Like, <laughs> at least start it in another company and give it a different name and put your cousin in charge of it or some shit. Don't put cloud mining and competitive sidechain things under the same umbrella with your Bitcoin dev, core dev like business, like at least isolate them because we're all about decentralization, right? So where's our fucking block size increase that was on the roadmap? Computers are faster, hard drives are cheaper, bandwidth is more plentiful. I mean, people are walking around with 100 megabyte, 100 megabit download speed to their phones. Can we get a fucking block size increase? It's stupid. So Truly stupid. I, yeah, I'm, I, I like to think that if the majority of the participants that have influence over the future of Bitcoin's code wanted a block size increase, then they'd get a block size increase. But we haven't reached consensus on that, right? There's, 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 there's part you of You ain't the... gonna reach consensus if they break the roadmap, right? I mean, it's these guys' jobs to write the damn code and then if you want your code to matter, you got to get people to run it. If you write code that no one runs, you're just wasting your damn time. So like I was there to fight the good fight to stop the block size increase because it appeared to me to be corporate interest taking over development. And I would prefer the developers be in charge of development. But then if the developers start fucking up, well then, okay, then I want different developers to be in charge, you know? Um, and I, but I don't think that you can find another, another ecosystem where that tension is more, you know, if you, if you sort of look at all the other blockchains and you've got all, if you have these non-contentious changes and you have alignments of all the different parts of the ecosystem, the fact that we don't have that alignment in, in Bitcoin and that there are all these different players and parts of the ecosystem that have to fight around uh, getting these these changes is what I think gives it more commodity-like properties, that it, it, it has to have this consensus. Um, and if you if something as contentious as what you know block size increase can't get through. But this shit shouldn't be contentious, man. It really shouldn't. Computers got well, faster. Mean, That's it. Like there's no Sure, I mean but that well yeah, there's two sides to the argument, right? That there's the whole, um, uh, you know, this isn't just a, a one-way argument. This is some people believe that block size increases is harmful uh, for centralization, and sure. others believe. If um, and that's the, if that's everything the else wasn't getting better, yeah, but everything else is getting better. It's it's this it's not a it's not a reasonable argument. So, I mean, Gavin Anderson who like ran the Bitcoin core project and was handed the keys by Satoshi to the GitHub, did a fine job. And his plan for block size increase was to have it increase over time algorithmically. So that look, here's usually how fast computers increase over time. And then we'll just have the block size increase a little bit. We'll go from one meg to 1.2, from 1.2 to 1.4. And that shit made total sense. And then everyone was like, nah, we don't want progress. And so he had to leave the project. So Mike Hearn left because he couldn't make progress. Gavin Anderson left because he couldn't make progress. Half the dev team over at Blockstream is working on shit that's not Bitcoin now. They're working on Lightning, which has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Totally different code base. Not, nothing to do with the Bitcoin code base. They're working on their own sidechain projects. They're like, 
Bro, I'm trying to make Bitcoin better by telling people what needs to be done. Bitcoin needs security audits. It needs the software to be modular so that it can hope to maintain its security in the future as more updates are done so it doesn't have to pay for a whole new audit every single time. It needs some goddamn anonymity, which they're kind of working on with uh, Taproot and Graftroot. Uh, and it needs uh, some throughput increases with f damn near free, small, incremental, hey, every year, let's go up 5% uh, block size increases. They're, they're pushing new code all the time, but the code that they're pushing is just featureless bug fixes. There's no feature updates. So I'm trying to tell the Bitcoin community how to make their shit better, but everyone just wants to say, uh, it's too hard of a problem, so fuck it. I, I, you know, as long as number go up, I'm happy. That is not how technology is supposed to go. I mean, look, how many people have more uh, cell phones this year, more than last year? How many people have computers this year, more than last year? How many people have internet access this year, more than last year? Okay, how many people accept Bitcoin this year, less than last year? Okay, how many Bitcoin ATMs are there, less than last year? Okay, how's the Bitcoin price doing, less than last year? That's not how the fuck technological projects are supposed to go. They're supposed to just go up forever, like Amazon and Facebook. They just fucking go up forever. This drawdown bullshit, it, it's not supposed to happen. Is this, is this, if this is like emailing yes, money, again, email never had a drawdown year. <clears throat> again, so yeah, I, I return to Rich, Richard Hart has a bunch of good ideas about what Bitcoin needs to do. No. Um, and is, is, is this ecosystem gonna allow those to get through and if not nope. is there a process and a and, and a yes. on reaching consensus there and so to me the 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 fact that richard hard believes that these things are what should happen to bitcoin um and the fact that richard hard can't have so much influence that um gives it more commodity like features um and although it's as as frustrating as hell like you know no, but been, like you're you're conflating commodity-like features with can't improve itself. And you're making a false assumption that they're mutually exclusive. You can have censorship resistance and improve yourself. And that is what happens when bugs are found. When the inflation bug was found by the Bitcoin Cash developer, everyone updated their nodes to fix the bug. That was a change to the code that everyone did. Consensus was found that this shit sucks. It's a bug. We don't want it. Consensus was found. They did it. And so there was progress there. And yet it still had your commodity stuff, your censorship resistant stuff. So you can't, this, this is a false equivalence that you're making or false exclusion that progress and commodity features can't coexist. They can, and they do. And as long as bugs have been fixed in Bitcoin, they always have. You're just making excuses for lack of technical progress. They well, do make progress. Yeah, I mean, they do update their code. They just don't do it well. They, they don't put anything good in there. They just do bug fixes. It's shitty. It's, it's not, it shouldn't be that way. Bro, why the fuck can't I batch send? Why can't I take my wallet and like export to fucking Excel? Like why, why do I have to beg the software? Like if I send to a guy, I got to wait for my change to arrive to send again. So I got to like edit and change some special settings to spend unconfirmed coins and shit the user experience is fucking trash it's been that way for like 10 years if wallets that try and solve it go out of business multi-bit went right the fuck out of business why because they tried to charge to make money in a wallet why because no one will pay for a wallet in bitcoin so you have a tragedy of commons you have tragedy of commons that cripples development 
You have tragedy of the commons, which cripples user experience. And the and and what's the solution? The solution is to exit and go build something better. That's how it works, man. Like, yeah, and so be, the beauty is that people can exit and try and build something better. But I don't think that we we haven't seen, no matter how great you create you you implement your feature set into that, you know you don't see something that okay where are we today so today we're in you know uh, a crazy time in financial history where monetary policy is um you know completely changing in the world and we're going to be entering i believe into a currency wars type scenario um and if a central bank or a country is looking to use a commodity like they've used gold as a in the past to try and favor or win or position themselves in a currency war, um, then what if they're going to try and do something like that with a cryptocurrency, then Bitcoin's the only game in town that they're going to try and do something like that with. Um, <laughs> and so we, you're, it, well, you know, a central bank's not going to, I mean, they might start accumu accumulating some Ethereum or, or something like that because they want to build their well, uh, that's central just bank not digital happening, currency dude. on ETH. This, none of that shit's happening. Look, I told everybody that Facebook is never buying Bitcoin because they build their own server hardware from scratch. They build their own software from scratch. They build their own software tooling from scratch. They build their own network data centers from scratch. They're not buying your shit. They will build their own. And then as the years passed, did Facebook buy Bitcoin? Did Facebook integrate Bitcoin into their wallets? No, what Richard Hart said came true, as it usually does. They started their own fucking coin and it was called Libra and they're still working on it. They are not yeah. going to integrate or buy Bitcoin. China released their own coin and it's already working. I think it's called like the DCI or DCCI or something. Can't remember it. And yeah. they're even well, promoting you know, the, it. Again, the, the, these central bank digital currencies, of course, that, you know, so you want to look at two different things here. So, China ain't buying Bitcoin. They're, they're, they're this close to banning it entirely. Sure. Um, but uh, they, China would certainly, you know, so you've got the Europe, you've got Europe, you've got China, and you've got America that are in a, a triangle of China exports all its goods to America. It owns more treasuries than anyone in the world. It has, uh, America has to work. Um, and Europe is also an ally of China because it's the largest exporter and they own a bunch of um, uh, Euro-denominated bonds as a hedge. So those three countries are locked in. But then you look at a, you know, let, let's look at the, you remember the story when um, Bulgaria um, confiscated 200,000 Bitcoins from some criminals uh -huh. and the value of those Bitcoins were greater than the national debt and all, obviously all the Bitcoins disappeared. So. It wasn't used to pay off the national debt. Um, but in, in a currency war type scenario, um, you know, you, you, if you were, if, if I were a, a smaller country trying to compete and get power in the world, my, my economy's to shit, um, my economy's in a disaster, I would allocate some of my electricity towards mining Bitcoin. Um, I would this shit ain't never happening, dude. Kill, I, well, <laughs> you're more I, likely well, to get a fucking ETF than you are about this shit you're talking about, dude. It's not happening. You, you, you will get an ETF. But, um, you know, when, when I look at... So I'm in a small country of 85,000 people. 
um, you know, they were the first, Island Man was the first country in the world to support Bitcoin. Um, it did a conference in 2014 that I spoke at. Um, and they wanted to support the Bitcoin community, but this, the, the Bank of England contacted them saying, because they happened to use the pound, they got the Manx pound, which is uh, a Manx version of the pound. The digital currency is the pound, the clearing system. Um, and the the paper note is the Manx pounds, but it's uh, pegged. You can ex you can exchange one Manx pound for one British pound. Um, they get a call from the Bank of England saying, if you support Bitcoin, then we're gonna you know we're gonna remove clearing to your banking sure. system. We don't yep. like this policy. Yeah, you'll be they'll be fucked. Um, yeah, but they do that in America um, too. Sure, but the Isle of Man um, essentially it prints its own currency already. Um, it could create a stable coin that's pegged to the, the that tries to get gain some of its value from the pound. Um, they could create an insular economy. Now, uh, Isle of Man is a is electricity is too expensive to follow this strategy, but if they wanted to allocate some of their electricity towards mining Bitcoin, if they had their own central bank, this is not the best example because they rely upon uh, the the British central bank. This particular um, stuff you're saying makes no sense because why mining is retarded compared to just buying the coins. You will always, sure, but always, the, the always here is if, make more money just yeah, buying the coins than mining. Sure, so if, fuck mining. Yeah, definitely if you're, if you're, an, if you're an individual with... Even if you're a country. Even if you're a country, you're going to make more money buying the coins than mining them. Well, they, they can accumulate Bitcoin however they choose. They could mine them or they could buy them and try and get it through an OTC trade without the market knowing. Um, then they could Why would they want that. the market not to know? They don't um, want their bags not, to pump? They want the market to know right after they're well, done because they're next, acquiring. They're next, they're, it, exactly. So once they're done acquiring, then any central bank, a smaller central bank, um, let's take a, a country like Lithuania right now, um, if they wanted to announce that they're hedging some of their exposure to the dollar gold and treasuries by holding some Bitcoin, um, the price increase just from a, a tiny little central bank doing that could create a game of a game theoretical game of chicken where other <laughs> central banks want to hold some as well but i love um, this i i love this idea i hope it these, happens these... <laughs> yes fucking I'm banks this, I'm not saying buy my bags all in that shit you need it you desperately need it you need bitcoin to be hedged from this turmoil this economic turmoil look the people are rioting in the streets okay, so you, okay? You, you, you need to buy so... my bags you will be safe so from let me, the, let me the ask looters. You, are, you, are, are, you, are you selling your bags? Is that, are you, would you be selling your Bitcoin here? I don't talk about my Bitcoin. I talk about okay. Bitcoin in general. In, 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 in theory, in general. I, I will say you, that I think you Ethereum sell? is going to curb stomp Bitcoin badly over the future. Okay. If, if so, the, the market rewards a better technology. If the market doesn't, and they're just like, yo, fuck it. We like this slower, shittier stuff then I guess Bitcoin can keep doing well. I think, I think the second is what's going to happen. And could be. Look, Ethereum sure. might could outperform. Happen. Look, I, I, I've, Ethereum did outperform Bitcoin. So putting, if, if, if we could do perfect 2020 hindsight, um, you'd say buy a laptop in 2010, mine a bunch of Bitcoin, put it all into the Ethereum ICO um, in, at the so end of 2017, yeah. put it, yeah, uh, put it all into Tether and then buy a yep. BNB token or something like that. We, we you got can, it. You know, and, <laughs> He's got the playbook. 
you you would <laughs> you know? bet you missed so did i tell you hex is up 92x versus bitcoin in four months but that's but that's the thing it, the the first rule of the market is exponentially greater risk gives exponentially greater returns that's the that's it's market. free to claim market if you're bitcoin holder, man. you can't lose money on free okay free. i don't I, yeah i i can't really i mean yeah i don't know enough about the project to to say that but yeah why don't it, you ask questions man free, I'm, then... i literally busted okay. my ass to create free money to give to bitcoin guys you're a bitcoin guy i broke my balls to give free money to you like if you would have okay, learned six months earlier, you would have got twice as much. You missed half the launch phase. You're missing half your stack now. <clears throat> All right. Okay. Yeah. And in I'm six more months, you won't have any left. Just... It'll be over. Because we're not doing that. Okay. Like Bitcoin Cash gave 180,000 Bitcoin cash to the Mt. Gox trustee. Legally, mm -hmm. the only thing the Mt. Gox trustee can do is dump that shit Sick. on their heads. So he dumped it on their yeah. fucking heads and he sold 40,000 Bitcoin cash right on top of their heads because they were too stupid to give it to him. Hex ain't stupid like that. Mt. Gox can't claim, excluded. Multisig can't claim, excluded. Whales over 1,000 Bitcoin hit for 50% penalty. Whales over 10,000 Bitcoin hit for 75% penalty. It's a little bit socialist yeah. in the beginning. So I, so I guess, I guess what I'd say is there is obviously a difference between claiming something free mm -hmm. um, versus buying into something. Yeah. Uh, and so if you're, if you're, if you're buying something, then the, the ginormous returns can only be achieved by taking ginormous risks. Um, that's the rules of the market. And so Bitcoin is in a traditional market portfolio, you know, let's say someone like Paul Tudor Jones, which is, putting 1% of the hedge fund in Bitcoin now. Um, you know Bitcoin's them, dropped 85% like three times, right? And you know it dropped 65% two weeks, two months ago. Yeah, yeah Ethereum dropped 95% been, and it's down 85% I've, I've, now. Ain't no sure, free I've ride in my, crypto. I don't care which one you buy. They're all volatile. Yeah, so I mean, I've seen my 30% Bitcoin, I'm sorry, my $30 Bitcoin crash to $3. I've seen my $1,250 Bitcoin crash to $250. I've seen my $20,000 Bitcoin crash to $3,000. I've experienced all of those. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying, like, and, you can't say, like, yeah, I bought Bitcoin, so I'm free of that risk shit. Because you're saying, you're making this equivalent. Oh, yeah, no, you're, like, you're, you're definitely... Take... You're, look, you're, you're definitely not. So, look, risk is a is a complicated subject because risk to one put. So, if you if you're a traditional guy, uh, sorry, portfolio guy, you'd say, well, stocks are three times more risky than bonds. Uh, bank deposits are riskless. Uh, that's like traditional thinking. But then a Bitcoiner would come along and say, bank deposits well, your keys are not, not riskless. Your coins. <laughs> exactly. They you're only insured up to like two hundred fifty k. And you yeah. can only be insured up to like one account. Like it's, yeah. And, and now with with financial products like stable coins, you can create a stable coin. Those shits are full of risk and, too. Exactly. Yeah. So, but then you can segregate through trust structures, and you can have no, FDIC limits. Okay. Here's a bank, right? So here's our risk. We have d d inflation risk. My money becomes worth less all the time. My yield doesn't match inflation. Then I have counterparty risk, bank only insures so much, and then they just haircut my ass or yeah, get their and, money and seized. And then and they're also insuring way more than they have. So there you go. The, the, yeah. 
And then now, so we've got US dollar suck, banks suck, and then we've got stablecoin that has an account at that bank. Mm-hmm. They're extra suck, and you don't even get the yield, mm. and you have network risk on top of that. And then finally it gets to you. So like stablecoin just adds an extra layer of risk. That's all it does. There's, there's nothing yeah, good about it. Like De- Definitely, but you're, you're gonna have, <laughs> You know that you're going to have stable coins which segregate, um, you know, bank bail-in exposure to FDIC insurance by it's, having no, multiple no, segregated. That you, does that doesn't you, exist. Well, There's you, no corporate you, FDIC. That's not a thing. You can't you can't game the FDIC and be like, yo, we're tether. We want to have a billion dollars across a hundred thousand accounts. Tether, like it's not happening. Yeah. Tether's exposed. I'm, I'm not talking. So Tether is definitely exposed to the banking system by definition. That's a, a stable coin that holds money in a bank. I mean, they had um, they had six hundred no million jacked from them by the government, and then they had a coin sale yeah. to try and make up for it. So like, we already yeah. know how this goes. Like they ran fractional. Yeah, which is exactly. Like, they might still be well, running fractional. Which is exactly what. Knows. Yeah, which is exactly why there's different different risk profiles right um so again the the risk someone would say i'm trying to i'm trying to remove currency risk so i put it i, I hedge it into uh stable coins um but then you've got counterparty risk which is the bank behind it and then i'm just saying if we say, made crypto well, gonna... to get rid of counterparties stable coins are the fucking opposite of that and the in the least counterparty laden one would be die but in there you're trading the counterparty for maybe over collateralization isn't enough, right? So like if Ethereum price drops enough, there ain't enough Ethereum in the world to collateralize how much is owed, you know? So it's like, I in my crypto, I want less counterparties. So like, I didn't tell you, mm-hmm. but Hex is the most traded coin in the world in on-chain exchange where you can see when people bought, see when they sold, no AML, no KYC, no sign up. You maintain custody of your coins the whole time. It pays you interest. You maintain custody of your coins. It's the world's first blockchain CD. So in a, in a normal bank, when you lock up your coins, you get paid 20% more. In Hex, when you lock up your coins, for every extra year you lock, you get paid 20% more, just like the bank. It's the first cryptocurrency in the world with a chart of future market supply because you have a chart of expiring stakes over time. It's if you want to replace all of banking, you have to replace all their products. We replace the CD, which is $7.2 trillion market across the United States and China alone. It's a larger market than printed currency, which is about $5 trillion. So we address a larger yeah. market, and we're the first product that gets kind to of do it. And it's all based around removing counterparties. So you don't, if you want to make interest on your Bitcoin, you have to lend them to somebody and pray and hope they give them back. And a lot of the times they do not. There's people that have lent a billion dollars of Bitcoin to another counterparty to hope to make single digit returns, like 6% a year maybe on that. That's the opposite of why crypto was invented. Crypto was invented to put you in charge of your money, not some other fucking guy. Yeah, so again, you know, so what's, well, uh, this is about, this is why Ethereum is, attracting all the DeFi because it's optimized the protocol for people to create all this DeFi innovation. And True. so if we're going to have disruption to the CD, then Ethereum is the place that people are doing that stuff. Yep. Um, but then, you know, but then to me, that doesn't deviate from the fact that I still 
think that Bitcoin is our best shot at achieving They all go up together. Money. I hope Bitcoin goes to the fucking moon. I mean, I wish there was a million dollar Bitcoin right now. These things all go up together and they all go down together. The well, ICO that, bubble the, pumped Bitcoin. That, that's the reality. As you move along the risk curve, um, then they pump higher than Bitcoin and they dump higher than Bitcoin. Usually. But we're all dependent upon Bitcoin. Um, Usually, yeah. That's the yeah, and that's the that's the realities of the market. So then, how do you? I don't. See but ever, everyone used to have a Nokia Bitcoin. phone. Nokia used to be everything, and now nobody has a Nokia phone. Everybody used to have. Uh, I mean, I could go down the list of technologies that have come and gone. Look, I wish the best for Bitcoin, but I'm not going to make excuses for the shit that it's fucking up. I'm going to point them out and hope that they get fixed. And I keep saying these things publicly and people keep listening and they don't do a goddamn thing about it. I know you got 200 grand to put into audits personally. I know you could do it. I know you got friends that you could go crowdfund that money together with. Why don't you guys go put it together a hundred grand and get the goddamn software audited so that you don't have some bug which nukes everything and sends all the shit to zero and then it fucks everybody. Go yeah. beat the tragedy of the commons and put together the hundred grand to have someone look at the goddamn code. <laughs> Please. <laughs> like... Well, so I, you don't crash I, the whole I, fucking crypto this has market. Been, yeah, this has been a problem for so long because I, I remember the days when, um, you know, when Bitcoin developers weren't rich and the everyone, every all the conversation was around how, how are we going to support Gavin Andreessen? How are we going to support Bitcoin developers? And then BitPay comes along and says, well, I'll take on Jeff Garzik. And, what a um, piece of shit and, that guy you know, is. <laughs> I don't like that fucking guy. So, you know, th this this governance conversation is, is you know, I remember the days when everyone was like, well, the company should pay for the developers. Let me, let me just mention, Jeff Garzik wrote Segwit2x that listed on Finex as a futures product. And then Jeff Garzik canceled the project and everyone that bet on that fat fuck lost all their money because the futures went to fucking zero because his project didn't fucking launch because he gave up on it and it was poorly coded with an off by one bug dog shit so that guy nuked millions of dollars of people's value that believed in his sorry ass so fuck jeff garzik for the record <laughs> and it's not the first time he's done dumb shit like that He's been trying to fuck the block size for a good long time. And Satoshi himself had to mention to him, don't do that. You'll fork off the network. It's not good for you. Jeff Garzik's a fucking retard. Bad dev with bad motives. <clears throat> anyway. But I, I tell you what I meant, because we're, we're reaching the stage where I'm, I'm going uh, right. to have to go. But sure. the, the, bit that I like, the bit that I like about this, Richard, is that... I, I think we need more conversations like this. I think that this is a conversation around trying to further our industry. Yeah. And how, how you get rid of the, the, the tribalism, I, I don't know how to, I, I really don't know how to answer that question. I don't know how to do that. Um, well, you give people free coins, it helps. I tell you what, if I give <laughs> you a bag of free coins, you tend to be like, oh, you know, that shit ain't that bad. So. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's like, you know, the, the whole. You know, um, Peter Schiff not not recognizing that all of the arguments that he's giving are arguments for what you know. Gold is a store of value. I don't think I, I personally. I don't think Bitcoin is a store of value. It's just uh, 
a, a store of value is a way of preserving your wealth. And Bitcoin is a speculative store of value. I believe that there's vast wealth to be made if Bitcoin becomes a store of value. Um, and so, you know, that's why you, you should, it's not gold versus Bitcoin. It's gold is a store of value and Bitcoin is a speculative store of value. Um, and as you move further and further down the chain, you've got Ethereum that's trying to, that has become a protocol for, you know, originally, originally it was trying to create the world's internet. Then it seemed like it was a like a, 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 a penny market ICO stock uh, a protocol. First it was and the world computer DeFi. failed. Then it was DAOs, decentralized organizations failed. Now it's decentralized finance, but that appears to be working. Just yeah. like Bitcoin was originally supposed to be a currency, failed. Then it was going to be programmable money, failed. But then it's digital gold, appears to be working. And But I think I think you summarized it well. The, I don't see, you know, I, I don't know about your project, so I can't. I mean, I mean you've told it's free me money, about man. It. You're missing half your stack. Go to pumpamethals.com and literally just take your free ass money, like before it's all gone. It will all be gone in six months. You'll have nothing left. It, it okay. decayed. What's... Um, from from your perspective, like on this conversation, what 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 are what are the risks? Is there is there some trade off? Uh, if you if you claim more than one Bitcoin address to the same Ethereum address, then someone in the world could go. The same person had access to all those Bitcoin addresses. So in MetaMask, you go install MetaMask.io. You just click new account, and you just use a new account for each one of your Bitcoin claims. And then each Bitcoin claim is tied to a different address. And then, you know, you, it's, I, no one has ever had a problem doing it. And I, and unless you're like, even you as a Bitcoin guy, I bet you don't actually give a shit about your anonymity and OPSEC as hard as you think you do. So are, do you have Tor running when you use your personal Bitcoin node that you host? Because you're not running your own Bitcoin node and it's not running through Tor and you're not randomizing when you transact and making sure you're not online when you do it so that they can't timing analysis you, like you're probably not doing any of that shit. So you're probably not actually anonymous at all anyway. So like <laughs> if you want to be totally anonymous, I'm, install the tails. Said, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that took uh, some of my Bitcoin, bought a house and had to do nine months of source of funds, source of wealth. So everybody- I Just accept that the system is yes. the way the system- if I you run, had done any of those things I told you, to you wouldn't tend to be able to successfully verify to those fuckers because you would have broken the chain at some point. So for you, no, there's no fucking risk. Like it works absolutely wonderfully fine and has for $3 billion of Bitcoin holders, which is over, it's almost 2% of Bitcoin holders. So it's a lot of fucking money. Um, yeah, dude, take the free money, try it. I mean, shit, if you want anyone in the community, if you just post your Ethereum address, anyone in the community will send you some. It's easiest to use MetaMask. You don't have to, but it's the easiest way to do it. If you just install MetaMask and post your address on the internet, someone's going to send you some hex and some Ethereum. Try it. It works awesome. It's fast. It's amazing. It's it's so good. Like, it's really that good, man. Is hundred percent uptime. Ten million dollars of on-chain liquidity on any exchange. You could dump it, buy it, sell it, anything. No counterparty risk. No sign up. Trustless the way crypto is supposed to be. It's amazing. And you don't have to lend your coins out to anyone. I hope you can make yield on them. You get paid yield in the protocol. It's like getting free Bitcoin mining hardware. See, in Bitcoin, the miners don't buy Bitcoin. They sell it. They buy electricity and mining hardware. They sell 
Bitcoin. So the miners constantly are dumping the damn price to pay for electricity, which pollutes the environment, but that's a security model. In Hex, we don't have any of those negative externalities. So in Hex, the stakers are paid inflation up to a maximum of 3.69% a year. And it's actually much less than that because they're only paid at the end of their stake. Average stakes, four years. A lot of people stake 10 years, 15 years. That's amazing. Imagine if you could have staked your Bitcoin for 10 years that you got way back when. You wouldn't have got shaken out of the market. You'd have more Bitcoin than when you started with. I mean, it would have been a goddamn miracle. Like, it would have, so many lives would have been changed. But people sell bottoms and get shaken out, and then they get left behind. And this has happened in Hex, too. People get shaken out. You know, price drops 60%. People get shaken out. Then it goes up 10x, and they're like, ah, fuck, you know? Try it out, man. Send me an Ethereum so, address and somebody will hook you up with some hex. All right. So cl closing off this loop, then, um, yeah. you know, my final thoughts are is if, I, uh, you know, if there's, again, a finance guy, not a technical guy. So if there's. Um, oh, it's got it's got two security audits and one economics audit. And Bitcoin has none of those. So it is actually more secure than Bitcoin as well. So if you go to the website, it'll explain it to you. Yeah, so cl claim, claiming money as long as there's no technical reason or risk why you shouldn't, why you wouldn't do that. I don't know enough to say that. Um, no, you know people that no can problem, advise but, you. But then, you know, buying buying something, I think it's important for people to just understand that um, as you move further down the risk chain, you can make much higher returns, but you're taking you're taking a much higher risk. Volatility um, is amplified. But how much worse than 85 and 95% drops can you get? The two largest market cap cryptos are Bitcoin and Ethereum. They've dropped 85 and 95%, 75 and 65% two months ago. So the volatility can't actually get much worse because the shit can only go to zero. It's not like, it's not like oil. Technically, you can't even go to zero. It can go just to the minimum we, tick above zero. Yeah, but we'd, we'd agree that all of these... Uh, uh, Bitcoin driven projects. If Bitcoin goes up, they'll go, they'll much sure. likely go up higher. If Bitcoin yeah. crashes, it will likely crash yes. harder. I think so. Um, it, yeah. Hex pumped during the pandemic, but in general, cryptocurrencies tend to do exactly what you're saying. Yes. Okay. So, so it was good yeah, talking to you, man. The, the, I think, I think we agree on a lot. I really think we agree on a lot. Um, I might come from a little bit more technical angle because I'm a nerd, I guess, or whatever. And you come from more of an economics angle. Um, I enjoyed the call. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope people go and do good things with their time. Now I hope Bitcoin network gets better. And I hope the, the government's fucking all in on digital currencies. Go in guys. You're already using digital currencies, but they suck. You just print them too much. Math is more trustable than man. So come join the math club. <laughs> okay, cool. Can I, um, Chill your stuff, man. I, tell, tell them everything. Okay, I'll show By the way, for the record, anyone that hits me at a, when I'm at an event talking on stage, when I step down off stage, people are always asking me for money. I send them directly to you. Seriously. If I'm at an right. event and anybody starts asking me for money for their project, I go, nope. Simon Dixon, Bank of the Future, ask him for money. <laughs> <laughs> Truthfully. Cool, yeah. 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 All right. I hope I'm Because that's your business, man. Okay. You hand out money to people, projects, right? Well, so yeah, I mean, I'm involved in a in, in a few things. So, firstly, um, if people are interested in the financial commentary, um, then I've got my YouTube channel, Simon Dixon. Um, 
I've got the whole archives from the last 10, 12 years. Um, and I'm getting a lot more frequent in content and trying to give live commentary as this all unfolds. Um, if you're a qualifying investor, and that depends on the country, then banktothefuture.com is where you can build a portfolio in all the companies in our industry. So maybe you missed a load of deals if you want to buy Kraken shares, um, blockchain.com. Then we've got a whole structure. We've got over 100 different companies in the industry. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got a secondary market where a lot of this, uh, the equity in the industry is. Um, my little pet project right now is that uh, I'm going to be releasing a free video series. Um, and in that free video series, I'm going to do a couple of things, which is a lot of people say, okay, you were there from the beginning. Um, but what would you do with your money right now? So I'm going to do a couple of things. Um, I'm working on a video where I'll show, I'm going to take a million dollars of my savings and show exactly what I would do in the current environment. Um, and I'm also going to do another portfolio where I just take a percentage of my income as if I had no savings. Um, and, uh, and that will be a mix of traditional and crypto. Uh, and uh, yeah, looking forward to releasing that. So if anyone's interested in learning about that, then subscribe to my channel, Simon Dixon on YouTube and at Simon Dixon on Twitter. Uh, that's all I got. Sounds good, man. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the conversation. I think, uh, I think we might find some synergy uh, at some point because handing out free money to Bitcoiners seems like an easy business to be in because people do like their free money. <laughs> If you look at the top 10 market cap, how many Bitcoins are on there? There's a Bitcoin and then there's like two other Bitcoins and those were handed out for free. So like, seems to be a popular thing, you know, it's good okay, talking to you, man. For the, thanks for the debate, Richard. Cheers. My pleasure, man. Ciao, brother. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. I don't know whether I'm going to take questions or not. Maybe. Maybe we'll start a new stream just for questions. Mine as well. All right, I'm going to start a new stream just for you guys. You guys that are watching, uh, go to pumpamentals.com. Check out Hacks. It's amazing. It's up 92x versus Bitcoin. Uh, it dipped recently, but it was up 92x, which is nice. And it was up like 116x. Uh, up 115x, did 116x versus dollar. What else? Go to the chat room, the best chat room, uh, t.me forward slash hex crypto. And then uh, I'll start another stream now.